Um, well, I've been counting down the days from last Sunday to this Sunday. I have been so excited to just be back here in church with all of you. Um, and I think, you know, what a great thing to position yourself week in, week out in a place where you can hear from God, where he can speak into your life and reveal himself to you. And I really believe this morning, um, as I've been preparing, that for some of us here this morning, this is going to be a significant day, that you're not here by accident, that God is wanting to speak to you. And um, I think that something is going to shift in our thinking today, that God is going to come, he's going to do something that changes the way that we live from this day on. And I, um, I think he's going to give us keys to unlock what it looks like to live fruitful, faithful, purposeful lives with, with God right at the center. And so I invite you this morning, you're being invited a lot this morning, but I invite you again to just listen with an expectation to hear from God because he does speak and he will speak and he'll speak to you personally. And I pray that we have soft hearts to hear what he's going to say this morning. And, um, you know, as we read the Bible this morning, what we have to remember, it's not just ink on a page. It's the very words of God coming alive. You know, um, the author is right here with us. And that's really amazing. This is a gift from God and it's a gift that keeps on giving. Every time you read it, he was, he's revealing more of who he is and he's revealing more of who we are. And um, I just want to pray, Father God, this morning, we pray that you'd reveal more of who you are to us. And by your spirit, would you help us understand in our heads and in our hearts what you want to say to us. And so we thank you for your word. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to do a quick recap for those of you who have not been here the past couple of weeks. The whole of our church across all our sites are working our way through the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Colossians is a letter written by a man called Paul who was a key leader in the very early Christian church. And he's writing to them, to this new church, because he wants to encourage them. But also, there's certain people within the church who are um, teaching things that are contrary to the foundational teaching that they first received. And it was causing confusion, and it was causing doubt, and it was diluting the message of Jesus by what they were saying was, we're not 100% sure that what Jesus did is quite enough to secure our future with God. So why not? add in some of our own traditions, some of our own rituals, um, just to be on the safe side. And while we're at it, let's cram our brains full of um, clever sounding philosophy so that we can become spiritually elite. So that's what was going on. And Paul is writing them, writing to them and saying, don't forget who Jesus is. Don't forget what he has done. And I can assure you that what he did was 100% absolutely sufficient to secure our future with God. And he's saying, be careful, stick to the truth. You know, Jesus isn't just another guy in a line of important um, guys who walked the earth and did some great things. He said he's the son of God, supreme over all things. Um, and he said, let's get Jesus back to where he belongs, which is right at the center of your lives. So that's what Paul's saying. And so we pick it up in chapter two. So it's in Colossians. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the end of each, um, what's the word, side, <laughs> uh, aisle, thank you. And if someone will pass one along to you and somebody super quick can find out what page number it's on in the church Bibles and shout it out. <gasps> Pardon? 
1183. That was super quick. 1183. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It will come up on the screen as well. There you go. Let's read. So then. Okay, we'll stop there. So, so then <laughs> means that there was something beforehand, and now he's saying, so then, therefore, live like this. He's saying, now that you know, now that you are established in your faith, that you know who Jesus is, now, therefore, this is how you live. Brilliant. Good word right there. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you capt so no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Amen. Oh, I've missed out a line. <laughs> he is the head over every power and authority. Amen. Time filler. Brilliant. So we've established this this kind of um, thing in our house called Friday flowers. And if you're smart, you will realise that it happens every Friday, and it involves giving flowers. And every Friday, my husband Mark comes home with a bunch of flowers for me. It's very sweet. And every week, the bunch of flowers is different. Um, they're very beautiful. They smell so good. They look so good. They make the house look good. But we all know that in a week or so, um, they're not going to smell so good. And they're not going to look so good. And that the reason is because they have no roots. They have no roots. They are not planted. They have no way of sustaining life. And I don't know much about plants and gardening, which is why I have fake plants all around my house, because every pot plant I've ever owned has died in my care. But what I do know is that when you plant a tree, when you plant a seed in the ground, what it has to do is send out roots. And I know that roots have to go down first in order that the plant grows up. And the health of the tree is entirely dependent on the roots. The roots um, create the health of the tree. So without the roots, we all know that a tree can't survive. They can't produce fruit. They can't take up nourishment and store it for later. And without roots, a tree, there's no way a tree could withstand a storm. So roots are vital to the life of a tree. They give stability. Um, and roots that go down deep, they draw up nourishment and they feed the tree in order for it to bear fruit and do what it's supposed to do. And that's what Paul, that's the image Paul's using um, in this letter to these people. All through the Bible, there's imagery and um, similes and, and all those kind of words to do with plants and growing and branches and being planted. And all of them just give us a, a better understanding of our relationship with God, of how to live fruitful, um, faithful lives. God wants us to grow and mature. He doesn't want us to stay a tiny seed. And he sees a tree in every seed. He sees a tree in every one of our lives and he wants us to grow and mature. And the picture that Paul uses here is that of us rooting ourselves in Christ, of establishing ourselves in Christ. And he's, he's saying to us, Christ is your stability. 
key is where you get your nourishment from. And uh, there's a principle at work here that we need to understand. And that's that when it comes to the roots, the strength of the tree is only as strong as the strength of the roots. The strength of the tree is only as strong as the strength of the roots. And for us, in our lives, the roots represent the unseen parts of our lives. The roots are underneath, they're below, they're the parts that nobody sees. So when it comes to our faith and our life, we have to ask the question, what's going on underneath? What's going on underneath? What am I doing in the unseen parts of my life? Because the unseen directly affects the seen. Am I paying attention to the roots? Because what goes on in the roots eventually surfaces up above. You see this tree starting to go brown in the middle. Probably something to do with the roots, something that was happening way before we were seeing the evidence of it up above. There was things going on below to make it be like that above. And if we're honest, well, I'm being honest, we do tend to focus on the visible. We tend to focus on what's seen. Um, you know, our, our skills and our gifting, our wants and our needs. But God is interested in what's underneath. That's where God is focusing his attention. He, he's focused on what's being developed and nurtured underneath in those secret places, the issues of the heart. And the truth is, if he's going to do something in your life, he's wanting to start at the roots. That's where he wants to start. He wants us to have a strength underneath that can support the above so that we can walk into all that he's called us to do and also to um, handle the storms that come our way, which they will. We all go through storms in our life. And he wants us to be solid, unmoving and unshakable. And so this morning, we're just going to take a little bit of time to ask the question, how are we rooted? What does it actually mean to be rooted in Christ? And I'm going to use three scriptures that show us um, how to be rooted, but also where to position ourselves for a flourishing, fruitful life in Christ. And the thing that they have in common is that this idea of them of being firmly planted in a place that has room to grow, that has direct access to an unlimited life-giving source. Does that sound all right? So here's three things about being rooted. First of all, we are rooted in relationship with him, Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 8 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What a beautiful picture of when we put our confidence in the Lord. This planting comes through relationship with Jesus and he's inviting us into relationship with him and we all know that a good relationship is based on trust we know that in, in our human relationships it's the same with Jesus there's a trust there's a hope there's a confidence in our relationship with him that where we can say I'm confident of his love for me I'm confident of his plan for my life I'm confident that he knows what he's doing I'm confident that even when I can't see the way ahead God's making a way. He knows what's going on. I'm confident that in all things, God works together for my good. 
I'm confident that I'm his delight. I'm confident that he'll never, ever let me down, that he'll never, ever give me up. And we can't have really 100% of that confidence in another person other than Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate in confidence and where we put our hope. And the Bible saying when we live in that confidence, we are like trees who are planted by a river and our roots go down into Jesus and we are drawing life-giving strength from him. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus uh, has gone to get a drink from a well and a lady comes along and um, he's asking her for a drink of the water and they're having a little chat. And basically Jesus says, look, every time you come back to this well and have a drink, you'll always thirst for more. This kind of water, you'll thirst again and again and again. And he says, however, I have a water, I have a source of life where you'll never, ever thirst again. And in other words, he's saying to her, you're going to find complete satisfaction in me, in my life-giving water. He says, I'm your hope, I'm your confidence, so put your trust in me. And then it says that even in moments of intense heat, when the pressure's on, or in those long, dry seasons, you can still grow because I'll be the one who sustains you. That's what he's saying. Your roots go down and you find that water. You know, these plants that can survive in a desert, it's because their roots continue down and down until they get to the water table where there's a constant source of life. And that's what Jesus is saying. Even in the dry seasons, even when the pressure comes, get those roots down and I will sustain you. Is that all right? Good. We, we quite like it if you say, you know, amen. That's good. If you, if you think so. <laughs> Maybe you don't. All right. Secondly, uh, we are rooted in his word. And when we say the word, we are referring to the Bible. We call it the word because we believe it's the very word of God um, written down in the Bible. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3 says, They delight in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is Old Testament, um, basically what we would call the Bible, the scriptures meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never weather. I had to practice that earlier. Never weather. Anyway, their leaves never weather and they prosper in all they do. So this kind of planting comes through reading the Bible regularly, which sounds like such a basic thing to say. But let me say that many of us neglect it. Many of us neglect to be in his word, not just reading, but pondering it, chewing it over, meditating, thinking about it throughout the day. And, and this passage says that as we do that, all the nourishment we need for our faith, for our life to grow strong and to bear fruit is found in this book here. It comes alive when you read it. Its words are life-giving and we need to let the words of the Bible take root in our lives because when they do, they produce faith, they build belief, they move us towards holiness, and they have the power to transform our lives. So it's so important that we are planted in the word and we don't neglect this. This book is a gift from God. It is special and it's vital to our growth. So we need to be rooted in his word. And then thirdly, we are rooted in his family. Psalm 92 verse 12 to 15 says, the righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. 
growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. Hello, that sounds pretty good. They will flourish and be vital and fresh. So this planting comes through putting our roots down in church, in the place we call our spiritual home. And it says that if we do so, we're positioning ourselves for a flourishing, fruitful life right into our old age. That, that's good news. Um, and the word planted is really important here. So a tree that's planted in the ground not only has unlimited nourishment from the soil and um, uh, space for its roots to go down deep, it has a stability about it. It has the whole ground um, to keep it in place, unmoving, not going anywhere. But if you look at this tree here, it's planted, it's potted, it's not planted. Um, it has limited resources, limited nourishment, and in fact, I would say that it's already used up all the nourishment in that pot because, um, you know, look. <laughs> and um, being in the pot, it's restricted with its growth. I'm pretty sure that this tree's brothers and sisters that were planted in the ground are about five times the size of this tree by now. I've had this tree for a few years and it's hardly grown. It's restricted. The roots are all just um, getting tangled in one another. There's nowhere for it to go. It's isolated. There's nothing to keep it solid and stable. And when the storms come, it just falls over. There's nothing keeping it grounded in isolation. Um, it's independent of other trees. When the winds come and the storms pick up, you see what happens. The other thing about being potted and not planted in a church is that when things get tough or uncomfortable, or when offence comes, when you've been offended, we can just easily, I'm not going to try and pick that one up, I brought my basil instead, which is, which is, this is good for me, it's a temporary plant, because once you use it, it's actually already dying, you know. Um, oh, that smells good. <sighs> Smell that. What am I saying? Oh, Yes. When it gets uncomfortable in church, when there's a fence that's maybe taken a bit of root, you just pick up your pot and off you go. You take your roots, you head off to another church, you head off to another place. It's much easier than being planted and sticking it out and being vulnerable. This is, this is a picture of what it's like to be potted and we really don't want to be potted. So we asked, need to ask ourselves, are we easily uprooted? Are we easily uprooted? Or have we put down deep roots when it comes to church? Deep roots in church is costly. It means investing in people with time and energy. It means being vulnerable, sharing your life, connecting with people. And um, if you continually uproot and replant a plant, it's going to wither and die eventually so important that we are rooted in the church. So I want to show you this picture of some redwood trees. They can grow up to a whopping 300 feet, which is huge. But unlike other trees, their root system is three feet, only three feet. 
So they're 300 feet and their root system is 3 feet. And normally a root, uh, a tree's root system would be a similar size to the actual tree in order to give it stability and to, you know, to keep it from falling down. So how is it possible for these giant trees to stay standing? Why have they not fallen over? The answer is that the roots intertwine and lock up so that when a storm comes, the storm is not blowing against one tree. The storm is blowing against the whole forest. That is a lovely picture of the church. The strength of the tree is not in itself, but is in others. Beautiful picture of the church. You know, with redwoods, there would be 80-year-old trees in amongst the same forest as 20-year-old trees. And all the roots intertwine. Um, and they support one another. And actually, some of the roots, they connect with one another. And they share water. They share nutrients. And it all leads to growth. It all leads to um, stability. The fact is they need each other to flourish. They're not made to stand alone. And that's what I would say to you this morning. We are not made to stand alone. God has placed in all of us a sense of belonging. And his intention for the church is that we're intertwined, rooted together, bringing strength to one another. At some point in our lives, we need people to be around us. We need people to support us, to pray for us. And then we need to do that for someone else. And the amazing thing is that being part of God's family, we have this whole root system to depend upon, to hold us up when the storms of life hit us. And the thing about storms is they're unexpected and they come at the most inconvenient times. You know, sometimes you're going through stuff and then more stuff seems to come and you think, I just can't cope anymore. If one more thing comes along, my marriage can't handle this or, um, you know, I can't handle hearing any more bad news or I've lost my job or someone's ill in my family and all these things come at us. And what helps in those times is to be rooted in Christ, in his word and in his family. There's a strength in his family and that's why we talk constantly and we place great value on small groups within our church. They are the perfect place to put your roots down because it's a place where you'll be loved and supported through every season of life. And we really are at our best as a church when we're connected with one another. So I'd encourage you, if you are choosing to make City Church Kingswells your spiritual home, then put your roots down deep soon. Get connected, not just saying hi on a Sunday morning, um, but really, truly, deeply connected being vulnerable with people, doing life with people. It's really the best place to be. And so we want to position ourselves in a place to live fruitful, faithful um, lives. And so finally, just to finish, um, I just want to talk to you about um, manure. Because manure happens, right? <laughs> Some people might say it in a different way. Manure stinks. Nobody likes to be around manure. It's a really weird word to say, manure. It doesn't come from a very nice place. It really is not nice. But here's the thing. When manure is mixed with the soil, it ends up producing the strongest, healthiest, most beautiful plants. And I want to say to you this morning, if this is all you hear this morning, that beautiful fruit can come from life's worst moments. 
there's a, a, a great story in the Bible, a man called Joseph, who you probably know has a Technicolor dream coat, but um, his brothers hated him for various reasons. And they plotted to kill him. They eventually couldn't carry that out, so they just sold him to uh, as a slave. And they never saw him again for years and years. And it was a really awful situation for Joseph. For years, he was a, a slave. And he ended up in prison for something he didn't do and so on. And really, the future for him was not looking good. Anyway, somehow, miraculously, he ended up being in charge of the whole of Egypt. So it's quite a long story, which I don't have time to tell you. If you're interested, you can read it in Genesis. And he was in charge during the famine of dishing out uh, food to the people. And his brothers had traveled to come and get food, and they didn't know who he was. They didn't recognize him. But when they found out, they were pretty scared. They were like, oh, no, he's in charge of Egypt. We tried to kill him. What's he going to do to us? And he's like, hey, don't worry. It's totally fine. Because he realized, and this is what he said to them. He said, don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. And as you see all around you right now, also for the good of all these people. And I think for us, the enemy wants to knock us down. He wants us to give up when the hard times come. He wants us to uproot ourselves from Christ, from his word, from his family, so that we will wither and die. And he wants us isolated. Uh, he wants us to get offended and to develop bitter roots and to uproot. But do you know what? The funny thing is, is he unwittingly piles on the manure, so to speak, not knowing that that very thing is what's going to produce in us the strength um, and everything that we need to carry out what God has called us to do and to withstand the storms. He doesn't even know what he's doing. And we can say, ha, you intended that for evil. God has other ideas. And so by being planted with our roots firmly established, we can trust that in all things, not just some, but in all things, God is continually working for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that great? Um, I heard a quote that said, Christians should be like nails. The harder you get hit, the deeper you go, and the deeper you go, the stronger you become. That is great. This is God's desire for us, that we'll become stronger, that we'll grow from our tiny seed into an oak of righteousness, a, a huge oak that can withstand anything, unshakable, solid, and planted. And we need to let God's plan prevail in our lives. Trusting in him, hoping in him with confidence that he knows what he's doing, that when the manure comes, he's working it for our good. And we have that stability and that strength in being planted in the church. And, you know, we could say, oh, you know, what do I need to do? It's hard work, but actually it's not. The Bible says that God does the growing and all we have to do is stay rooted. All we have to do is stay rooted. That just means we just have to trust Jesus. We have to read the word and we have to keep coming to church. I think that sounds pretty easy, to be honest. Um, we just need to stay rooted and we let God work in those unseen parts, establishing our roots and helping us to stand firm. Amen. Let's stand.